to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We're so excited to bring you this special episode with our first guest of 2023. So on today's episode, you will have Anna Harrington, Angela Christian Wilkes, Sam Lewis, and Western United striker, current leader of the Golden Boot, just all-round good person, Hannah Keane. As always, before we get into the chat, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. But without further ado, here's our chat with Hannah Keane. So Hannah Keane, thank you so much for joining us. First of all, this is not your first time in Australia. For those who are listening who maybe don't know your story, what, how, where does it start? How did you first come into contact with Australian football? Wow. Um, so it kind of started a few years before I even came. So when I was in college, um, my freshman, sophomore, junior year in college were pretty good. Um, I scored a lot of goals, especially my sophomore and junior year. But then senior year, I had a few injuries that they didn't keep me out for a long time, but they definitely hindered my performance. Um, So I decided not to enter the draft to the NWSL. Um, I think I took a semester off of playing completely. I went and studied abroad. Um, And during that time, I realized that I really missed playing. And I didn't want that to be the end of my career. So I honestly cannot even remember how I found out um, or why I decided Australia, but I just did some research online for soccer teams in Australia. And the first thing that came up was the NPL in Victoria. And I think I just went to Alamein in the NPL here, I just went to their website and found a contact email and just sent an email and said, here's my highlight video. Like, do you need a player? Can I come and play for you? And yeah, I really have no idea why I chose Australia, but I think I just heard some stories about Melbourne. I was like, oh, maybe that would be a cool place to come and play and sent an email and then got a response really quickly. And then just decided, okay, in a couple months, I'll just go and see how it is. And then I got here and played in the NPL season and did pretty well. And then I wanted to keep playing and I was training with Melbourne City and thought that I had a spot until a week before the season started. Um, But that was the, I think that was like their golden season where they went undefeated. Um, And I think it was Beverly Yanez that came in a week before and took not my spot, but took the last international spot. And I could not complain about that because, I mean, she's a great player and a great person. So and I was fresh out of college. So I definitely understood why like that spot was given to her. So definitely no hard feelings. Um, But I just didn't want to stay as a train on player at Melbourne City and not ever get playing time. So. Um, I felt that I could just use my skills somewhere else and decided to try Europe after that. Amazing. And what were your first impressions of Australia when you first got here? I really liked it. I think it's the kind of perfect in-between of not being too much like America, but not being as foreign as like Europe, for example. Um, It still definitely has the kind of large scale of America Um, so and obviously speaking English it definitely feels pretty similar but I really liked it I think it was the perfect step to kind of living abroad Um, and yeah just a very good stepping stone to going on to somewhere else. Anna your your journey didn't exactly stop there though you you, uh, you have some pretty incredible years between your last time in Australia and coming back with Western United. I know we talked about it, your time in Europe and some of the things you did there. Can you just elaborate on some of those experiences? Cause they're pretty priceless. Like European footballers would pay to have some of these moments you had. Yeah. Yeah. I think it actually was, it was great. Um, but it did start off pretty low. Um, when I left here and went to Germany, it was straight into the Bundesliga on a team that was pretty small, like we weren't a Bayern Munich or a Wolfsburg or anything like that. And it was very hard. Um, 
the training, the coaches, the culture, the people, the, the league obviously was very difficult. And I think we went the whole first half of the season without a win. Um, and there was a Christmas break in the German season. So I left, went back home for a couple weeks and then came back. And the coach pulled me into her office and she said, hey, like, we don't want you anymore, basically. She said, can you, like, we'll, we'll, like, let you go. You can go find a new team. Like, we've just decided that you're not, like, what we need this, like, for this next part of the season. And I was in shock because it wasn't like we were losing because of me. We didn't really make many chances. And the style of play that we were doing, I think our formation was, like, a 5-5-1 or sorry, like with the goalie. So a one, four, five, one. And I was the one up top. And the whole idea was just boot the ball long to Hannah and expect her to dribble five people and score a goal. And obviously that doesn't really happen in the Bundesliga but quite that way unless, that, yeah. But um, so she told me that and just kind of the way the contracts work in Europe, if a player doesn't want to leave, they don't have to like it has to be a mutual agreement and so I she, like she said well you can stay but you'll play for our second team um but they still have to pay you what's in the contract and I said okay that's fine like I'll stay for the second half of the season play with the second team and so that's what I did and that that actually turned out to be probably the best thing that could have happened because the coach of that second team all of the girls were absolutely amazing um, and just so welcoming. And the level of soccer was still very, very good, um, very technical and physical. And we did, I think we went from the bottom of the ladder up into fourth place um, or third place. It was something like that. And it was great. And also the best part was a week after I decided to go down to the second team and had the talk with the first team coach, we had a practice game against the first team and we ended up beating them two to one. So, and the coach wouldn't even shake my hand or like acknowledge me after that game. It was very, it was the best moment of my life probably. Um, but, but it was great and I enjoyed it so much. Like. I got to play at a good level and made really good friends and the coach was amazing. And I mean, it obviously felt terrible to be told like, Hey, you're not good enough or we don't want you, but like, I still learned from that and I moved on and made good friends and great connections. And the first team still got relegated anyway. And it wasn't my fault because I wasn't there. So, um, but yeah, so I think though maybe someone else would have taken that as a big blow and maybe left or just stopped playing or something. But I think there's always some positive in some situations and I still got to play. And then after that, I still was able to find another team. It wasn't like just because I wasn't on the first team, I couldn't find anything else after that. Um, but it was just not a good feeling. And yeah, and so then after that, went to Portugal for three seasons with Braga, and it was really exciting. Um, a good level of the league, maybe not Bundesliga level, but still a challenge, um, not too easy, not too difficult, and also very great players, great friendships, a really good culture of the people in Portugal. Um, and yeah, we did really well the first season we won the league and that's why we got to go to champions league, which was kind of one thing that, that everyone dreams of just walking out onto the field, like listening to the champions league song as it plays. Um, and yeah, we even, we went to Latvia for the group stages and played against a whole bunch of different teams from different countries. And we got through that and then we drew PSG, which was, I mean, exciting, but not to say a lost cause, but we knew that it would be very difficult to um, beat PSG. Like we were good, but maybe not that level quite yet. 
um, and we had a home and away game. And unfortunately, they came to Braga and we lost 7-0, but, but we tried very hard. Um, and then we turned around and went to Paris and we drew them 0-0, which was, I mean, they had probably 30 shots, um, but we were able to defend them well and they didn't score any. And I think maybe we had two shots that whole game, um, but yeah, it was, it was an exciting experience. And I think even just to get through the group stages is a big, a big positive and it was so much fun. And I think, I think everyone should kind of deserve that opportunity, especially in Europe. There's a lot of teams that take players for Champions League. Um, and I think if a player does want to go and do that, there is an opportunity out there. I think a lot of people think, oh, they have to go to a PSG or a Barcelona to play in Champions League, but it starts a lot lower. And I think a lot of people could do that if they wanted to. Um, and then, yeah, after Portugal, after three seasons there, I just felt like it was time to move on onto something maybe a little bit more challenging. And so I got the opportunity to go to Spain with Sporting de Huelva. And I knew it was gonna be a challenge. They're a very small club, um, no, no men's team linked to it, um, but they've been in the, in the first division in Spain for 17 seasons. So they're consistent, um, consistently at the bottom of the table, but they always survive. <laughs> somehow and um yeah and I really thought when I got there that like this is the the best team I've ever played on and the level of all of the players were so good um and it was very scary and intimidating the first time I got there because I walked in and after the first training I thought like wow this was a huge mistake like these girls are all so good like I'm never gonna touch the ball in the game and when I do I'm gonna lose it right away and just very negative which I know I shouldn't have felt that way but it's hard when um, it's just so different than what you're used to and we didn't win a game the first half of the season but we did draw nine games so we at least had nine points which saved us um, and then the second half of the season we really turned it around and we ended up winning, I don't know exactly how many games, but a good chunk. And we actually had a really good run in the Spanish Cup and surprised lots of teams. We beat um, Atletico Madrid and Madrid CF and got to the final, which was, I think the club had won the Spanish Cup in 2014 or 2015. So it wasn't like the first time they've ever made it to a cup final, but in a long time they hadn't been doing so well. So this was was a big deal to them. And of course we lost to Barcelona in the final, but just the fact that we got there was a huge achievement and just a great experience to play against the best in the world, um, which they are, all of those players on Barcelona are amazing, but they are still human. And it was just nice to see that even they can have bad touches sometimes. And even I can dribble past one of them. And just for, to know that like that can happen was, was really exciting. Cause you just kind of see them on TV and put them on a pedestal and just to see them in real life and not like in your dreams, it was, it was a lot of fun. And then I came here. <laughs> That was a long story. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's a good great. story though. It was a good story. I knew it was going to be worth the pale. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What like such an incredible story. Um, I'm curious when you were starting out and, you know, realizing that soccer was something that you could maybe do at a professional level, this kind of travel and, and seeing all these different countries, was that a, something that you, thought would happen or something that you wanted to happen like was it in the picture when you were envisioning I guess your career in those yeah days? I think I actually didn't 
have kind of a dream about where I wanted to play or kind of what I wanted to get out of soccer um, at the time when I decided to keep playing. It will sound very lame, but I was just like, oh, I'm good at this. Maybe I should keep doing this for a while longer. And I was also very unsure about what else I wanted to make a career out of. And I think even, even now I'm still unsure about that part too for after soccer, but um, I just thought like, I know I'm good at this. Like I want, I just want to keep going with it and see like where it brings me. Um, and when I was in university, after I'd finished my four years of playing, I had one extra semester where I studied abroad in England. And they, I think that kind of helped me decide that I wanted to keep playing because I was living in Sunderland, probably about 10 minutes away from the Stadium of Light. And we would go to every single English Premier League game that happened there. And I think just seeing kind of the passion for the game and seeing the game at such a high level, even if I wasn't completely like aware of what was happening, I think I just realized like I want to be around like these kind of people in this kind of environment for as long as possible. And I think when I knew I couldn't get that in America, I just wanted to go wherever I could get that. And so I've always loved to travel. I'm not someone that gets homesick very easily. I think my parents always, of course I was their baby, but I think they always supported me to go as far away from them as possible. And they trusted me to make good decisions and be responsible. And it, it gave me a lot of kind of power, I, I feel like, and kind of self-awareness that I could do basically anything that I wanted to do um, within reason. And yeah, and I think just, yeah, the travel and the people, it's been amazing. And then of course, after a couple of seasons doing it, you kind of realize like, wow, this is really cool. I want to keep going and maybe see a few other places and, and why not? And so how did you end up connecting with Western United? It seems like quite a random connection for those who don't really know uh, what the, what the links are. Yeah. So my NPL coach, um, Sinisa of Alamein at the time, I think he's moved on with South Melbourne for the boys. Um, but I basically sent him a message while I was in Spain, just being like, hey, do you have any connections to the A-League? Or I called it W-League because I think that was when I still thought it was just W-League. We all call um, the W-League still too, don't worry. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, I just said, hey, do you have any connections to any of those coaches? Do you think they'd be interested in me? And I think I sent that message and probably within two minutes he was like Mark is going to call you in exactly five minutes so I hope you're ready to talk and I was like oh okay then I guess <laughs> that works um and yeah just had a good chat with Mark and learned kind of what he was envisioning for Western and just more information about it and um of course I didn't give him an answer right then and there because that was all happened within like a five minute span of time for me sending the first message so um I thought about it and talked to him a few more times and learned about it and kind of thought about what else I wanted out of my career and like what I wanted to do and I think I'm always one to kind of just not take a risk but just not be afraid to try new things so I like the idea of starting from scratch also, like a new team, kind of um, a new club for that matter, um, relatively young. And I think that it's just kind of fun because there's an endless kind of possibilities of what could happen, but also without the pressure of like, oh, we've been first place the last 20 years. Like you better come, not come in and mess it all up. Um, and, and I play because I love it. And I think that just to not have that pressure and just play because it's fun and I like it, that that was kind of what like drew me towards it. I mean, Anna, you've not exactly 
come in and just done okay, you're thriving. Like you top of the mm-hmm. golden boot standings. You've got, I think it's nine goals, three assists in, in 10 games. Like it's a pretty extraordinary scoring and attacking record. What What's clicked for you? What's made it work? Is there anything in particular you can put it down to? I know you'll say your teammates are great, but beyond <laughs> your teammates, you can't give us that answer. What What has made it click for you, do you think now? I, I But I really have to say my teammates because just because a lot of my goals, I know a lot of people may, I don't, well, I don't care what people say, but I know a lot of my goals have kind of just been right place, right time. And my teammates did the work and I just kind of happened to be there to finish it. But I will say like, that's also a skill, like knowing where to be at the right time of like what could possibly happen. So, um, but I don't, I think it still comes back to the pressure um say for example in Spain I knew every single game I was so scared and so nervous of like having to perform well because the team kind of really really depended on me and they really didn't get that many opportunities to score so I think it was just very full of pressure and I mean I scored a couple goals there but definitely not like I have here Whereas here, I think I'm a bit more relaxed and enjoying it and just enjoying the game more and less about the results, which are still important, but I think it's not the main driving factor um, and like what's in my head when I go out onto the field this time. But I also think, yeah, just the team culture has also been really fun and exciting. And just, you know, like if you mess up, there's someone behind you that's like, oh, it's okay. Like you're fine. You're still good. Just next one. Whereas in other places you mess up and maybe there's lots of cuss words in some language I don't understand coming at me. So it's, it's a little bit different. And and I do really like how it's been here. Um, And yeah, I think, I still think there's a lot more that we can do. It's not always the prettiest um, goals that we're scoring and we still have lots of chances that we make and we're not finishing. So as long as if that keeps happening, I'm always going to say there's room for improvement because I know we've been very close to, I probably, if I had scored all the other chances that I've had, probably had double that amount of goals by now, but they can't all go in, but maybe we'll get a little bit better in the next part of the season. At the moment, you're leading the golden boot race. Talking about that, is that something that's like, do you want to acknowledge it or is it going to create pressure? Like how, how are you dealing with this like level of, I guess, success at the moment? Oh, I mean, I don't, I have no superstitions or pressure about like anything like that. I don't mind talking about it or like thinking about it. Um, I think maybe it's, it's actually pretty helpful. Like I'm like, everyone seems to make a really big deal out of it, which is fun. So, I mean, if I can keep doing that, then, then I think that would be a good thing, but I really don't think too much about it because I mean, it can also change so quickly. I'm only a few goals ahead. If some other player has a good game and scores three or four, which I feel like could definitely happen in the types of games that I've seen so far, then it's the order could all change. So, I mean, it's nice for now, but it's, if I don't get it, then I'm not, my life will not be ruined at all. (laughs) So Hannah, we know that you're a fantastic player on the field, but who are you sort of off the field? What do you like to do in your spare time? Oh, there's a few different things that I do. Um, I think like the second kind of hobby, which I'm trying to make it more than a hobby is art. Um, I do lots of drawings and I actually, I draw things and I sell make them into stickers like and then pretty handy (laughs) yeah just stuff like that um just very like intricate and detailed drawings and I also do digital art um and stuff like that and yeah I think eventually maybe I have a business with that in America I already have some of my stickers in like little stores um around the towns that my parents live in and Um, so I try to kind of always work on that when we're resting and recovering. Um, 
And then the other thing I do is volunteer at an animal shelter, usually once a week. And just because I love animals so much, especially cats. And um, unfortunately, I can't have one in the house that we're living in because one of my teammates is allergic. So, um, and I've tried so many times. Just, we'll just get rid of that roommate and then I'll be fine. But um, no, um, but yeah, I think, I think being around animals just relaxes me and why not give back if I have the time and that it's um, a shelter that has lots of animals so they always need help and it's been really fun because yeah because I get to play with cats for a whole day and it's great. <laughs> Maybe don't I, kick I your housemate you. out right now <laughs> Hannah like you're flying you're on top of the table things are going I well know. your teammates are passing yeah. to you maybe maybe yeah. don't punt any of them out for the cat yeah. like, wait till the and end of the season win the grand final no. first we we definitely can't kick her out because it's sydney and sydney comes <laughs> and so like we i we need her i think a bit <laughs> Also, I think Angela just realized that you and her are kindred spirits. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, Angela's oh, currently wearing a, a t-shirt with lemon, um, with lemon, <laughs> with melon. <laughs> <laughs> melon, who is our, who was our mascot for our podcast and Angela's an absolute cat. legend. Angela's cat. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah. He's currently hiding under my bed. So I'm uh -huh. hopefully he can come out and make an appearance, yeah. but yeah. it's love yeah, that. my housemate had a, <laughs> his Jack Russell here earlier. So it was a bit stressful. Oh. Anyway, so Melon's just recuperating. Anyway, I won't start talking about cats because I won't try. So <laughs> um, is it my turn for a question? I can't remember. Or is it Anna? Um, I did have a question sort of related to the animal side of things, like very clear that you um, love cats as we've just established, but um, you're also a plant-based athlete. Um, was that informed by kind of that love of animals? Um, I guess is my first question, but also where was like the easiest place that you've um, played football to be a plant-based athlete and where was the hardest, do you think? Good question. Um, so I went, I've been vegetarian my whole life. Um, I've never had meat at all, ever, unless by accident. Um, but I have had seafood. So my parents, I think it was my dad in college decided to stop eating meat because he was running cross country or athletics. And um, he felt when he stopped eating meat, he, he ran faster. So that's where he just got rid of meat. And then years later, he met my mom and just, she decided to become vegetarian also. And then they had me and, um, we would eat dairy and seafood, but then probably when I was, I don't know, eight or nine and kind of could understand everything that was going on around me, they said, if you want to eat meat, then you can, but this is just what we do. And they just felt like it was healthier. And I just said like, oh no, it's okay. Like, I don't mind not eating meat. Um, and then when I was in high school, so when I was 16, I think, yeah, 16. My dad had a heart attack kind of out of the blue. Like he was a very, very healthy guy. He would run triathlons every weekend, like very skinny and toned and very athletic. And so it kind of just was a big shock. And he ended up picking up a book from uh, the library that was about reversing heart disease. And it was by a plant-based doctor. And I can't remember the exact name of the book but it kind of instructed someone that had had a heart attack or knew that they had kind of clogged arteries that they should eliminate all dairy um all seafood all meat and then on top of that also no added oil like no no fats basically so no nuts or seeds or avocados um things like that and no like oils in cooking or in any other kind of dishes so it was a very, very plant-based, um, very like whole food kind of diet. And he started eating like that and he felt absolutely amazing and never didn't have any other heart problems and just felt great. And so I was like, oh, maybe, maybe he's onto something. Um, but then I left for college and my first year of college, we, you have to eat in like the meal halls at the universities and 
I don't know, around that time, 2011, 2012, veganism was still pretty kind of out there. Um, vegetarian was definitely a thing, but to have no dairy was a little bit less, um, less frequent. And so I was still eating dairy through the first year of college, but then the second year of college, we moved into an apartment that had a kitchen and I thought like, okay, let's try it. Let's try cutting out all dairy, all seafood, all everything. Um, and I felt great. I ran faster. I played better. It was everything that I like, maybe I thought it would be, but I just didn't think it would happen so quickly, like the change. Um, and so just since then, I've just been completely plant-based and vegan, but then since then I've learned kind of the environmental reasons and the animals and it just kind of affirmed like why I do what I do now and there's definitely like no chance of me going back. Um, I feel great and I've had blood tests and everything and there's no deficiencies in anything um, and yeah I've really enjoyed it. Um, I do think the hardest place that I've played at that had no idea what veganism was, was Spain. Um, that also though happened to be because I was in a very small traditional town. Uh, it was not a big city. There's no, for, no tourists were coming to visit there. There's no airport, like no one goes there. <laughs> um, it's uh yeah, so very small, very traditional. And I got lucky that there was another American on that Spanish team that has been playing in Spain for three or four years. She was fluent in Spanish. And every time we had a trip for anything, she would, and she happened to also be vegan, which was the best coincidence ever because she would always explain to the waiter, waitress, like what to put in the food and like what to bring out. Um, and I mean, I still had a few instances where they brought out omelets for us because they're like, oh, no meat. Like, it's just an egg. It's not meat. But um, that was a pretty funny thing. But definitely Spain. Um, Portugal was a little bit more kind of up to the times and knew what was going on. And Germany, too. Germany was very good. They had lots of vegan options um, and really great bread. Yeah. <laughs> It's good because some places in Germany, who knew? I know. <laughs> and some places, if you like, say South America, you say, no, I, you know, I don't eat meat. And they're like, oh, can I? Like, so not red meat. And they're like, but chicken, fish, yeah. seafood. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. you would have to be like, no, mm -hmm. none, none of them. <laughs> like, really so Hannah, do you yeah. have, uh, do you have like a, uh, a pre-game like breakfast that you have every single time? Do you have any of those kinds of like rituals around the things that you eat? Yeah, I think just in general, when I find something that I like, I just eat it over and over and over again. It's not a very specific like to a game day or anything like that. Um, but breakfast is usually probably the most consistent thing in my whole life um, is oatmeal just but with like, it always has to have berries, it has to have flax seeds, chia seeds, cinnamon, turmeric, ginger. Um, and then most of the time I do like a scoop of protein powder too. If, if I feel like I want like a little bit more, more to it. Um, and then, yeah, I'd say that's probably the biggest, like same thing I have every morning and with coffee and then lunch is usually like a big salad with just a bunch of vegetables and either tofu or beans, um, and lots of like leafy greens and just whatever vegetables I can buy at a reasonable price. So not red capsicums, because those are a thousand dollars a kilo, basically, which is <laughs> yeah. insane, but um, everything else. <laughs> and, and then dinner is usually either pasta or potatoes with um, some like air fried tofu or lentil pasta, which is really good. And just some more veggies. And it's all just very simple. And I think a lot of people think like, oh, you're plant-based, like, what do you eat? Like, how can, like, you have nothing to eat. Like, how do you replace meat? And I think the way you have to think about it is 
like you wouldn't eat just a plain piece of chicken just like you probably wouldn't eat a plain piece of tofu like you still have to season it and then cook it a certain way so it's just just like switch them and it's basically the same thing like I do look at it like my meals and kind of being like okay a protein um a carbohydrate like a vegetable some fats like I think it's the same like plant-based or with meat and it's just a pretty simple swap but I think it confuses a lot of people and they just don't realize how easy it could be and so they're too afraid to try um yeah <laughs> just laughing at the concept of just a plain block of tofu <laughs> yeah. but some people would eat a plain piece of chicken is the worrying thing like some people have awful yeah. taste in food yeah I mean to be fair I do love tofu so much I would if I was like short on time I just bite into it yeah <laughs> sing the silken tofu where you put really simple dressing oh, over it is a real okay winner. yeah 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 I think I do like my tofu a little bit more firm than I think that the silken one's a little bit of a textural thing but that one makes really good like sauces if you want to like put it over pasta if you mix um like sauteed mushrooms and onion and garlic with the tofu and blend it all up it it's basically can become like a macaroni and cheese but without the cheese part pre-game meals with oh. Hannah Kane you should uh, <laughs> maybe we maybe you can launch a spin-off podcast from this <laughs> <laughs> I would do that a cooking show plant-based athlete cooking show uh yeah I could do that I mean we can sort of like we can get back into sort of more Western United A-League women's chat but it's it's also depending on your schedule Hannah and how long you've got because we'll realize that we've been uh, potting for oh, probably wow. half an hour maybe 40 minutes so yeah I have nothing nothing on until right, all good. very later I, I'm playing tennis I like to play tennis also I guess that's a hobby too cool did but- you watch the Australian Open or go to any of the games oh yeah, yeah, I went to um, the match where Nadal lost, uh, which I'm hoping it wasn't because I was there and I'm not like the cursed thing, but but it's been my dream to see Nadal in person. So I was, I was even, it was very close. I was about to not go see him then and get a quarterfinal ticket, um, but then I'm so glad that I just went to his, the earlier match because he obviously didn't make it to the quarterfinals. So that would have been really sad to get that ticket and then not go. But but it was great. Yeah. Cause after what I've watched tennis on TV for years and like with my grandma, it was kind of the one thing that we really like religiously did every um every time it was on. So to like see Nadal in person was was amazing. And it it is fun to watch it when it's on at like a good time here, because usually it's like super, super early in the morning um, in America. So it was nice this time. Yeah, I, I had a question about playing at Western United. Um, I guess like, what was it like playing with Jess McDonald? Because like me and Marissa were going to like games out at Caroline Springs and being like, that's why I kept playing on Jess McDonald. And you guys obviously had a great relationship on the field as well. Um, yeah, so I did that come about quickly that kind of chemistry yeah what was that experience like and yeah I really think there's probably no one that could not get along with her or just like want to play with her like be by her because she just kind of brought an energy of like obviously being very experienced and I think some people might think it might be intimidating because she's had so many experiences and been at like such a high level and been at the top for so long you kind of always think like oh like those people are just like so far away from like me or or just like a different level but but from the instant she came to our team I think she was just very like personable and uh, very kind-hearted and you could see like she just wanted every single player to improve and just do as good as she knew that they could do and it was great I think to have that kind of energy and she also brought the kind of confidence from all of her experiences to the field where I knew if I made this run or I went here or if I kicked that really really long ball to her really far away she's fast enough to get there (laughs) Um, just little things like that where you just know that she's so skillful and talented and kind of really knows the game that 
it was gonna click if if you tried to like play to that level also with her because um just like the chemistry maybe it took a, a few weeks of preseason to get used to it but then once it did click it was pretty easy to to be like rely on her to get get things done and on the topic of A-League Women's Hannah you're very well positioned at the moment to speak to something that a lot of people are talking about at the moment, which is the weather and the climate in Australia, particularly during summer. It's an issue that Australian women's football has suffered for years and years and years, but you were part of the, the team and in the game against Canberra in that stinking hot day. Um, what was that experience like for you, I guess, as an athlete? Like what kind of physical toll does playing in a, a heat sort of environment like that take on you and also mentally as well? Yeah, I think it was definitely difficult. Um, but what made it a little bit more difficult is that usually we train here in Melbourne early in the morning. So, I mean, Melbourne in general isn't always the warmest place either. So I think when you go somewhere else and you have to play a game in that kind of temperature that you're really not used to playing in, that can kind of be the biggest shock to your body. And I mean, we knew like a week before you can look at the weather and be like, okay, that day's gonna be really hot. Try to like mentally prepare, but that's all you can do is mentally prepare. And I guess drink some more water a few days before, but you're kind of limited on what you can actually do to like make yourself feel better after you play that game or during um but I think you just have to remember at least both teams are in the same conditions so it's not like there's maybe one huge advantage or disadvantage besides I guess if they had had a few more warmer days leading up to it maybe they're more acclimatized to that kind of heat something like that but it is tough but I think in in America there's not really like growing up, we never like, oh, there's going to be a hot day. Something's going to get canceled. We would just always play no matter what. Um, and yeah, it would also not be so fun and be really difficult, but it was just kind of the reality of like what it had to be. Um, so I think sometimes the foreigners maybe are ingrained to like think like that, just whatever the temperature is, that's what it is. And we don't really have a choice, but I think that only goes to a point when like if something bad does happen, then then it's not so fun. Um, but I think everyone just did the best they could with the conditions that that were there. And and now we just move on and recover and hope that we can recover in time for the next game. Just curious, Hannah, what's the thing you've found I guess maybe most challenging or that has maybe surprised you the most about the A-League women. Um, I know you said that in some ways it's very similar to the US. I know it's a very transition-based game, can be quite physical. What is there anything that's really surprised you or taken you aback or that you've had to really adjust to um, since coming into this league full-time? Hmm. I think I definitely have had to adjust to, because when I first started talking to Mark, I probably even before then I would still watch some of the W league games um, when they were happening just to kind of compare, like see how, how it was and if I actually wanted to play there or not. Um, and I did see like, I think you definitely have more time on the ball here, which can be good and bad in what in a few different ways. Um, but whereas in, in Spain, I felt like you had to make such quick decisions so fast because the defenders would just sprint at you so quickly. Um, but here you have more time to kind of make decisions, but also I feel like sometimes you have too much time where you have too many decisions and too many options where it can be confusing and maybe you hold the ball too long because you thought you had more time. Um, and you see a few different possibilities. So I think it's just been kind of finding like the right balance of playing quickly, but not rushing things and um, kind of learning more about your teammates. And I know like for Western, mostly all the girls were playing Calder together in the NPL. So they have that relationship. Whereas in some of my other teams, 
the those relationships aren't completely there like they are here so that's been a little bit of a challenge um but I think I've molded well into it and and it's been it's been a good challenge but I think I think I've enjoyed it and it hasn't been completely as easy as I as I thought it would be which is how it should be it shouldn't be too easy yeah I love that and Hannah, what do you sort of see for yourself? You've already had such an interesting storied career and you're almost 30 now. How do you sort of see the next couple of years of your career playing out? You know, I, I think the last two years, I've really tried to sit down and been like, okay, what is, what is my goal? Um, and I don't really have one. I, of course, wherever I go, I want to be successful. I want to play my best. I want to feel my best. I want to help my team and club as much as I can. Um, and honestly, that's, that is my goal, I guess, just finding a place where I can do that and also be, I guess, comfortable off the field in like a city that I enjoy and the lifestyle and the culture um, and having things to do. But I, I, at this point, I'm taking it season by season. Um, I feel really good, not too many like I haven't had any major injuries um and just just normal kind of soccer knocks here and there but nothing drastic where I'm like oh maybe I should start taking it easier or maybe I should slow down definitely haven't had that at all yet knock on wood um so I definitely still see myself playing for the next few years um but I don't have any concrete goals or ideas or plans of exactly where I have to be. Um, I just kind of like to be flexible with things and see how it goes. Angela, Harry, did you have any more questions? No, all good. I'm just trying to stop my laptop going off again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it must've um, looked very dramatic. No, no, well, I love I'm that you, you asked the question, then you just left the Zoom. I was like, that's rude. <laughs> just, just mic drop. <laughs> It's all about me. <laughs> um, That's, uh, yeah, Angela, all good? I only have a, like a, a silly, I mean, it's, I don't think it's that silly, but other people might think it's silly. Um, <laughs> what, have you been, actually, no, I'm not going to ask that question. We, in Australia, we call ginger people rangers. I was like, have you come across that term yet? But I'm like, we don't need to go there. And I just went there. Anyway, I was about to ask. <laughs> Redhead's a fellow redhead. Um, what SPF you like to use in the Australian heat? Because that's an area oh. of interest for me. I'm always admiring, yeah, dub players who are able to not get burnt because um, I seem to not be able to do that. So if you have any recommendations, oh. please do share. Yeah, I think, um, I don't think I have it here, but I got it on Amazon. It's It's either 50 plus or 70 plus zinc. And, but... It's not that super, super white zinc that doesn't rub in. It's like, it starts off white, but then it goes clear. So like I layer and layer and layer it up, but you just can't tell because it like goes clear. Um, but I also sweat so much. So every single water break, I like have it by the water and I have to just put it on every single time because it just comes off. And I do still burn, but I do think um, probably from, my mom's side, she was a little bit like more tan. So I think for a redhead, like I tan pretty well, which is, I think that saves me a little bit. Um, but I do definitely still get burned and just lots and lots of sunscreen all the time. Cause the sun too, on the weather app, it tells you the UV scale and every, everywhere I've ever been, I thought the scale only went to 10. Like it was only at 10 UV, but then one day I checked it here and it was at 13. And like, I had no idea that the scale even went over 10. So I think I was outside for probably 10 minutes and I was completely fried and my shoulders started peeling and yeah, not fun. Good to know that uh, athletes are just like us and they suffer <laughs> from the same things. <laughs> But yes, reapplication is key. That was my yeah. final question. Um, thank you for entertaining me there. 
All right, that's a good place to, to probably wrap it up. Hannah, thank you so, so much for sharing yourself and your time and your stories. That was so interesting. And we look so forward to the rest of the A-League women's season. Western United coming in and winning the league in the first go would be absolutely amazing. And you would be central to that. So yeah. good luck. Stay injury-free, touch wood. Mm. And uh, hopefully yeah. maybe we'll see you at the final. Yes. I, I think you guys will. I think I'm pretty, oh, cat. Oh, <laughs> oh, he's beautiful I've... too. Oh, he's been sleeping. So that's why he's looking. Oh. Sorry. I was just like, <laughs> such a nice, well-behaved cat too. Yeah. Right oh now. no, he's putting it on. He's putting on the charm for you now, Hannah, but you need to see him when the cameras are off. <laughs> really? <laughs> he's very cheeky. I think that's why everyone hates cats because they've had like one bad experience with one cat and it just ruins all cats for them. But if you have a good experience with a cat, then it kind of changes everything. So just depends on the cat. It sure does. Anyway, so I was like, I'm like a toddler. I'm like, yeah, where's the cat? <laughs> anyway, so interrupt. Make you up for my question with this. <laughs> It was a great, a great interruption though. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Hannah. And yeah, yeah I think Sam said it best. Um, good luck for the rest of the season. Look after those ankles and yeah. uh, good luck with the, the charge through to some silverware. Cool. Thank you so much for listening to me ramble on a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure. Anytime. It's a huge thanks again to Hannah for joining us today and for you for tuning in as well. Remember, you can find us on ESPN.com.au in the ESPN app, as well as Spotify, Apple and Google, all of the usual pod spots. If you like what we do, if you enjoyed this chat, leave us a review and subscribe so you get the podcast directly into your feed. If you want to have a chat to us, we are at The Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see you.